Assalamu alaikum, welcome to episode 45 of the Millionaire Muslim podcast. I'm Mohsin and if this is the first time you're tuning in, welcome. This podcast is all about halal investing, personal finance and entrepreneurship and you can also find more written content on islamicfinanceguru.com. So today's episode is all about venture capital and I'm conscious that Ibrahim and I sometimes or often uh, talk about venture capital and startups and all that kind of thing and some of you may not even appreciate what on earth we're going about so I thought that today would be a good opportunity to talk a little bit about what venture capital is and some of the intricacies around it and hopefully that'll give you guys a chance to understand what it is and maybe take advantage of the opportunities that are out there when it comes to the world of venture capital. So I'm going to explain in this episode what venture capital is and some intricacies around that. Then I'm going to talk about how you might be able to find opportunities to invest in. And I'm also going to talk about how much of your assets you should be thinking about putting into startup investing. So in a nutshell, what is venture capital? So venture capital is essentially investment into startups and we all know what startups are they're early stage companies they can range in terms of where they're at in their life cycle so that could be literally an idea or it could be a little bit more developed than that you know they might have started selling a few products or they might have 20 key clients across the country or across the world for example so you'll get companies even at the startup stage that vary in their maturity and venture capital investing is about investing into those sorts of companies so typically the ones that you think about when you think about successful startups are the ones that we see in our lives day to day at the moment so you've got people like uber who of course one day were a simple startup You've got things like Netflix, which was the same thing. So these things called startups can turn into massive behemoths and into things that affect us from a day-to-day perspective. And startups are a really important part of the economy because they're the things that are disrupting the people at the top. So the way that you keep companies hungry is you provide them with competition and competition I suppose can come in various formats the the way that we traditionally think about competition is by setting up a shop next door to that person and competing with them directly but actually what we've seen especially in recent years is that competition can come in the form of disruption and Often it's a startup that is that is providing this, this sense of disruption. And disruption simply means, in this context, changing the way in which people do things. So the classic example is, is Uber. Uber thought that the taxi system was completely inefficient. And it's not that they wanted to set up a new taxi rank and compete with other taxi firms. They thought the whole thing needed revolutionizing and that's what they set about doing so if you think about it from you know the players at the top getting comfortable kind of thing then startups are hugely hugely important in terms of keeping the innovation at those big companies so that they don't get lazy and get overtaken and if you remember back in the day when people like blockbuster went bust because they thought that they had 
a complete monopoly. They thought they'd made it, and they had made it. But in business, you can very easily lose everything as well. And they got very quickly overtaken by the changing wave of how people were actually consuming content. And nowadays, we can see that with the fact that most people that I know have got a Netflix subscription, for example, and that's how we now consume content. And so when companies aren't alive to what's going on in the economy and how their customers are actually behaving, then they risk their status at the top. And startups are the guys at the bottom working away, often out of a dingy basement or a bedroom, working on something that is going to change the world. And that's really the thing about startups. They want to change the world and you'll understand this a bit more when I talk more about the actual venture capital investing side but startups really should have a sense of changing something really quite fundamental within the market and that's where the opportunity is when it comes from an investment perspective. So the most professional form of venture capital investing so actually putting money in and backing these startups that we're talking about the most professional form is the form of venture capital funds so these are funds which is essentially a collection of money that are designed to invest well source first of all these deals come across these deals and then invest into them and back them and venture capital funds will be uh, yeah, like I said, a collection of money collected from usually sophisticated investors like uh, pension funds or universities and so on and so forth. And the whole point of these venture capital funds, we'll call them VC funds from now on, and, and you'll often hear them referred to as VC funds generally. VC funds are willing to take a chance on startups because they understand that you are not definitely going to succeed in fact, the probability is that a startup will fail just by the very nature of the industry. But nowadays, there are more people than ever pouring money into these VC funds, willing to take a chance on finding the next Uber, the next Netflix, etc. And that's a result of lots of things, probably a result of the fact that A, we are living in a society which is going through fundamental technological change and things have been enabled in this day and age that simply weren't possible before so you can do things that just weren't a thing even five years ago so we live in a time of huge advance and that is an opportunity for vc funds to spot companies early that are going to be something quite fundamental within society going forward and the other key element I guess is that we live in an environment of low interest returns and money frankly has to do something and people are willing to put a certain portion of their money into investing into venture capital because it has the potential to give them some very high returns and even if you've only got five percent or less of your net worth invested into startups and one of them really really takes off then that can actually have a really good overall impact on your annual return. So as an example, if you had 1% of your net worth, let's say you're worth a million quid and you put 1% and that is £10,000. And that 
£10,000 into one particular company, you happen to stumble upon something really quite fantastic, you get a 10 times return for your money, which in this example is a hundred grand. You've got a hundred grand and your net worth before was a million. You've got 10% of your net worth back um, just through one tiny investment. So it can actually be a really, really good way to boost your overall returns when it comes to investing because let's face it most investing you're really going to be looking at anywhere between five and ten percent of a return every year maybe 12 15 percent if you've had an exceptional year but nothing really much beyond that whereas startup investing can offer you the potential for like i said 10 times returns which is quite incredible actually when you think about it so in short, there is a lot of money sploshing about nowadays in venture capital. And if you're a startup yourself, if you're the founder of a startup, then frankly, there's probably never been a better time to have an idea, have some early traction on the idea and then get some funding into your idea in order to take it really big. So how do venture capital funds actually approach investing? So the first thing I'd say is that we have a really, really interesting episode with Hussein Kanji, who's a very, very successful venture capital fund manager, and that's episode 26, so do give that a listen after this episode. But he explained in a nutshell what the approach is for venture capital funds when it comes to investing, and he said that, in essence, if you've got a fund that is, let's say the fund is £50 million, and they have decided that they're going to do 10 to 15 investments at around 5 million quid each. He said that the way that they would approach it is, we want to see that each investment could, if it goes right, return the whole pot of money. So let's say they did 10 investments at 5 million pounds. In each investment, they would be asking themselves, does this 5 million quid investment have the potential to do 10 times, i.e. does it have the potential to return 50 million pounds, which is the size of the whole fund? And the reason for that is because if they only have one successful startup, then at least they can return what the investors put in and nobody has lost any money. And if they get two you know, really big returns, then that is when it starts getting into the territory where they've made a positive return, investors will get happy, and the fund managers will get their slice, and everyone's a winner, frankly. But it's important to understand that, because many people that I've heard of who might have spoken to some VC firms, and they don't quite understand where they're coming from, or why they've not invested in them, they, they fail to understand that this is the approach that VC funds take. And that's why it depends very much on the firm that you're talking to as to what size of check that you want and whether that matches up with what they want. What I mean by that is if you're a startup and you've decided that you want to raise, let's say, £500,000 and you're talking to a fund that is managing a billion quid worth of money, the chances are that £500,000 ticket size for them is just not going to be interesting. Not because your idea isn't interesting to them. It may very well be. It's just that it's not worth their time to be writing such a small check size relative to the amount of their fund. Whereas if you're talking to someone with maybe a 5 million or a 10 million fund, 
then yes, they probably are looking at ticket sizes around the 500k mark, and they would be a much better fit. So you have to understand the economics around VC investing and what funds are up to when it comes to their investing in order to tailor your approach if you're a startup founder. But in essence, that explains why VC funds will not write small checks sometimes, or at least that the check that they write, their ideal ticket size will be relative to the amount of their fund. And also, they won't back companies who lack massive vision and who can't give them, uh, or who don't have the potential to return the whole size of their fund, which is generally probably around a 10 times return. Because if you don't have that vision, and that potential, then for them, it's not a worthwhile investment. You know, it might be great for your friends and family to invest in you, and you make a two, three times return. But for their fund, that's not really appropriate. They want you to make a 10 times return, or at least to have the potential to make a 10 times return, because then you're actually delivering something material back to their fund, and that would be worth the risk that they're taking. But make no mistake, VC funds very much understand the fact that what they're doing is extremely risky and that in likelihood they probably will lose their money if you look at it from a statistical point of view because most startups will fail. So they're very cognizant of that. Now another term that you'll hear when it comes to VC investing are seed, series A, series B, C, D, etc, etc. And what does that even mean? So let me just explain very briefly. So these terms relate to the stage that a startup is at in terms of its financing. So typically a startup will go through multiple rounds of raising funds and these terms refer to the different rounds. So the earliest one would be, well, generally the earliest one is a seed round. So the idea being that people who are investing in a seed round are putting in seed capital, i.e. you're putting in the money that will formulate the seeds of hopefully, uh, you know, a big shooting flower eventually. And seed rounds tend to be varying in terms of the amount of money. It can be as low as, I don't know, 50 or 100 grand just to literally get some money in the coffers and allow the company to invest in what they need to invest into for their growth. Um, and I've seen seed raises be maybe 500k, a million, 1.5, 2 million. Typically, I've not seen anything much more than 2 million. And even that is relatively rare. So I would say that a seed raise would be something around the 1 million mark. And companies might do something even earlier than that, known as a friends and family round, where literally they get in money from their friends and family. It might be 100 grand, depends how rich your family is, I guess. But if it's, you know, let's say it's 100 grand, you get some money in the coffers, and then you do a seed round. I've seen it done that way as well. But it's either friends and family round first or a seed round first. Some VC funds will look at seed rounds, but not all of them. So the VC fund that you approach very much uh, it depends on what, what their approach is. They'll make it clear what sort of ticket size they're looking at and you can just tailor it to that. So then as you go on, as the startup gets some traction, you then will think about raising again. And typically you then start going into the series phraseology. So you'll raise a series A round when 
you've had your friends and family round, your seed round, you've had some money to invest in the company, you've got some really clear traction that you can demonstrate to an investor and you're now looking to really take it quite seriously and you go for, I don't know, it depends on, on the company, it depends on the valuation that you're doing, but a Series A could be, you know, could be 5 million, 10 million, whatever. The number isn't really that important, but the various rounds as you go forward will then uh, go up in the alphabet. So you'll have, after your Series A, you'll have your B and so on and so forth. And usually you'll find this is the point at which venture capital funds are getting interested if they if you are an interesting company to them. And which which firm you go for depends on the fit uh, and, and in terms of their particular focus, you might find that there's a match there because different VC funds will have a different focus as well. So some will focus, for example, on healthcare. Some will focus on, I don't know, food technology. For you know, there are, there are lots of examples of VC funds that are out there that have different specialisms. So you know, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a startup, you should find one that matches you because it's not just capital that venture capital funds provide. It's not just the money. It's also their expertise. It's also the synergies that they provide with other companies that they've invested in. It's introductions into people in your in your space, in your industry. And it's all of that that they bring. And they've got a vested interest in doing that for you because they want you to grow as a company so that their investment is worth more. Now, in terms of an exit, how you know funds are putting this money in, but how do they then get that money out? Well, it depends on the fund and what they want to do. But typically, in a fund, they want to exit their investment in five to seven years. That's probably slightly different for VC funds, but it depends entirely on the fund and what their strategy is. So what you might find is that instead of exiting after five to seven years, if it's been a successful investment, the VC fund is actually investing even more. Because if, for example, they invested at Series A and the company's done really well and there's going to be another raise, another financial raise, uh, there's going to be a Series B and they're going to raise, let's say, 10 million quid at, uh, I don't know, 60 million pound valuation, then the firm that's in the investment already, they might say, okay, well, we know you guys really well. We've been with you for the last couple of years. We think that you're onto something really special here. How about we just invest that money instead? Because they're in a much better position, frankly, than other funds would be coming in cold. So there is this whole idea that if you get investment from a VC fund you know, relatively early on and you're clearly capable and you're clearly doing well, then actually what happens is that you get funds kind of fighting over you because the ones that are going to be successful, the companies that are going to be successful are relatively rare and funds will come to know about these companies. So they will want to be invested in them as early as possible. So let's talk about some real life successes on the venture capital front. So the ones I mentioned earlier are obvious. You've got your Netflix, your Uber, uh, people like Deliveroo, who Hussein Kanji in episode 26 uh, was an investor into Deliveroo. Obviously, he's had a great return from that. So, so that's fantastic. So, you know, when the successes happen, they're, they're big. And to put it into real terms, early Uber investors who held all the way until the IPO, which is when it floats onto the stock market, they would have had an incredible almost 5,000 times return. 
So in real terms, that's you know me and you putting five grand into our mate that said, I want to start this new thing that's going to revolutionize the taxi industry and saying, yeah, here you go, here's 5K. That would have turned into an incredible almost 25 million pounds. So that's the potential that you're dealing with when it comes to backing the right company from a very, very early stage. However, the flip side to that is that startups will statistically probably fail and that's ultimately the risk that you take if you want the potential for you know five grand turning into 20 million or 25 million then you have to be prepared to also take a loss and write off probably most of your investment into startups hence the sage advice is usually to have a range of startups that you're putting money into but also to allocate a relatively small portion of your overall portfolio, say 5 to 10% or perhaps 15% if you're particularly aggressive, but you know, whatever is appropriate for your needs really, and make sure that you're not really overexposing yourself because it is a very risky asset class to be investing in. So let's say you understand all of that and you, you, you want to get cracking, you want to find some of these startups and you want to invest into them. How do you actually do that? Well, the first way, the, the way that we've been discussing here is from the context of a VC fund. And you might say, well, great, I want to invest in a VC fund because these fund managers, people like Hussein Kanji in episode 26, they know what they're talking about. And I want to put my money with those guys because they get really good deals. Um, sadly, that's not really possible for a lay investor because if you're talking about a 50 million or 100 million plus fund, they're not going to be taking your you know, 5, 10, 20 grand. Don't get me wrong, if, you, you know, if you've got a lot more money to put in, then you probably can invest in a VC fund. But if that is the case, you probably know that already and you don't need me to tell you that. So in short, investing in or via a VC fund is pretty much impossible, not to mention that there are also potential Sharia compliance issues because you don't know what sorts of companies that the fund would be investing into. So that's a tangential problem, um, but in any event, it's probably not going to be possible for you to invest in a VC or via a VC fund. Second option is going onto platforms like cedars or crowdcube and if you've not heard of them they're basically online platforms where any company can go on and list provided that they've gone through the whole criteria that the platform sets out themselves and the likes of me and you can go on and take our pick and say yeah i like the look of this company that's going to i don't know change how sockets are made or you know make sofas recyclable or something completely random so we can go on there and we can say, yeah, take my money. I'm happy that you're doing something really interesting and I think that you've got the potential to return me 10 times my money. So that's uh, Cedars, Crowdcube. And overall, from what I've seen, I've not personally invested in these platforms, but from what I've seen, they are good platforms, but you probably do get a lot of rubbish on there, I think. I'm not sure what the filtering mechanism is for people like Cedars and Crowdcube. The way that they make money is that they take um, a slice of whatever money is raised. And I'm not sure that they're too selective about who goes on. But I, I don't know, to be honest with you. I, I don't actually know. I've never been through that process. My, you know, this, this might be a bad generalization. 
but my thinking has always been that if they were such good companies why could they not get investment from elsewhere um you know if 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 you're that good you've probably developed quite a good private network you should be able to get investment from elsewhere i don't know maybe maybe that's harsh of me but i personally haven't touched these platforms but some, i know people that have and yeah there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with it i just don't know what the track record is of companies who have listed on Cedars or Crowdcube or whatever and how successful they've then gone on to be. I've certainly not heard of any major success stories out of Cedars or Crowdcube, but I may be proven wrong, so do get in touch with me if I am wrong on that. The third approach is finding deals yourself. And this is where it gets quite interesting because if you're plugged into a particular, you know, particularly interesting network, so if you're, for example, like an imperial alumnus um, or, you know, an alumnus of a good university and you're plugged into that alumni network and you turn up to some events and, you know, you might meet someone that you remember from back in the day and you say, oh, what are you up to? And he says, oh, I'm, you know, I'm grinding away at this startup that I'm doing, but it's been really interesting. We've just got... Uh, you know, Samsung as a client and we're doing this with them and blah, 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 then that should prick your ears a little bit because they're doing something really interesting. You've got to hear about it because you're in this privileged position of being an alumni and you've got access to this deal where other people don't have access to this deal. And this is the difference that I mean between going on something like Cedars and Crowdcube and actually finding deals or being able to access deals for yourself so if you somehow can get interesting access to good deals first of all take the opportunity and and hear these people out um, and secondly get in touch with us because we, we we always love to hear about good deals and interesting stuff that people are up to so do get in touch with us and um, yeah, we, 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 can, we can see what we do with that. But for example, I, I know from Ibrahim and I, uh, our network from just from Oxford, for example, you know, there are a bunch of people from our old network that are doing really, really interesting startups. And we definitely take advantage of that in terms of having those conversations with them. And, you know, we've got access to be able to invest in things like that because they're your mates from back in the day. So yeah, it, it's really, really good if you've got, a particular niche in your network that means that people within that particular circle of friends are more prone to be doing interesting startups. And the fourth option you've got is uh, teaming up with us. So we, me and Ibrahim, we get some really interesting startup deals, as I mentioned, not just from our Oxford network, but also through uh, people coming through to us through IFG and also just our general networks because the way that this industry and any industry works is that when you start getting known for one thing you know and you get introduced to a few people that has a domino effect where that person introduces you to another person and so on and so forth until eventually you've got actually quite a decent network of people around you and you have got access to interesting deals and these are the things that they don't get onto cedars or crowdcube and stuff because they get snapped up before that so you know if you're interested in in putting some money into a startup uh, maybe it's 510k or more 
then drop us a line because we're always looking to match up entrepreneurs with investors. So yeah, drop me a line on mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com add ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com in as well and just ask if you can be added to our list of startup investors. And if you're an entrepreneur, then there's probably never been a better time to get funding and for there to be general acceptance of your idea and you know ideally we want to see some sort of traction and we want to see some ability that the market really understands what you're doing then get in touch with us even if it's not for funding even if it's just kind of a general chat that you want to have then do get in touch with us mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com and we'd be happy to to have a chat and to look at any documents and so on because that's what we enjoy doing so just to summarize that's what venture capital investing is it's investing into startups it's high risk high reward stuff you shouldn't make it a huge part of your portfolio but even making a relatively small part of your portfolio invested into startups can have a really good return finding deals can be tricky um, but if you can get access to a particular niche in your network, then make the most of it um, and, and come onto our list as well, absolutely. And my last bit of advice is go away and listen to episode 26 because it will open your mind. Jazakallah khair. Really appreciate you guys listening all the way till the end. And if there's any other things that you want to get in touch with us about, mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com, ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com. We do look at and respond to emails personally. We might take a little bit of time, but bear with us. And inshallah, we will get back to you as soon as we can. Jazakallah khair. See you next week. Assalamu alaikum.